Two years ago today, I ran into a young man from Puerto de la Cruz, Venezuela. His name, José Zambrano. A brilliant and successful video game developer and instructor. Owner of a cheerful, kind, and unique personality. A firm believer that video games can break communication barriers going beyond words and language. Jose reflected the diversity that makes New York City so special and inspirational. This is a story about dreams, hope, goals, friendship, and healing. This story is a celebration of an extraordinary young man's life and legacy. This is Jose's story. So I guess a lot of the stuff started when I was a kid in Venezuela. I grew up in a very small town called Puerto La Cruz, uh, which is by the coast. Um, I grew up with um, a very close family together, and my best friend growing up was my older cousin. Um, and my first introduction to video games was pretty much a Super Nintendo that my uncle had. Um, and it, it kind of capture our minds, but we were, as kids, we were pretty active in the neighborhood as we were growing up. Like we liked to go out and play around the neighborhood, um, as much as we like playing games. So it was like a heavy balance between obsessing between these two things. Um, as we grew up and grew older, we encountered like the Nintendo 64, the PlayStation 1. And I still remember the, the PlayStation 1 being the first one that really like took my head away from spending time outside. Um, and then when the Dreamcast came around, like that stole a lot of my time. <laughs> um, and it was me and my cousin who were both obsessing over this uh, games that we would play. Um, it was also a method for us to get together and decipher this weird language called English, which games were made on. Um, and it was really difficult for us to progress through any game without really knowing the language. So it was like we had to decipher all these little words. Um, and it, it, it made us something that got us together most of the time. Um, and we grew a very strong relationship for this because like we both still enjoyed a lot of social activities but we both enjoy playing games because the, the town that we grew up in was particularly small and nice but my family my father's side as i was growing older and older he was growing a little bit up in this in the social scale like he was going from middle class into rich transition so things kept getting a little bit more dangerous for us which meant more in-house time and less time time outside um, and my cousin being very, um, solidary with me, I guess, um, he just like stayed in with me and we played a bunch of games together. Um, fast forward through that <laughs> in 2009, I ended up forcefully having to move to the U S, um, because of, um, security reasons that was an, uh, an attempt on, on kidnapping me. Um, I think that was like the third one that happened at that point. Um, until my dad just said, well, no more, this is really getting really out of hand. Um, so I kind of like boarded a plane right after school without even knowing that we were leaving the country, um, and landed in Aruba. I think it was first until we like hopped a couple places before landing in Miami at last. Um, but it was a weird moment because it was like out of nowhere. It was like, oh yeah, um, everything's gone. I remember I was on a play. Um, I've never joined a play in my life and I joined a, a play at my high school and the play was about to premiere like three days after <laughs> and the director was so mad and it's like he was, I got so many emails of like, where did he go? Um, I just kind of disappeared from uh, Caracas where I was living um, at the time. 
um it was it was really it was funny in that sense but yeah it was kind of like starting from scratch and letting everything sink in um and i it was halfway through the school year so i had to join an, uh, another high school for the last year um in miami where i started like my last like english education stuff that transition was fine my my cousin who had no particular reasons to come with us came with us <laughs> he's like I've, I've mentioned him a lot in this story because it's kind of like my brother that i never had um and he he came along to miami with us um and along that way we also started like we were playing games pretty much the entire way through it kind of like games was a pretty clear escape to a lot of the weird stuff that happened within our our environment um and a lot of, a lot of the extreme insecurity that was happening and just like our our family has very weird dynamics and we we kind of escaped all that through games um and we were very competitive so we will always like compete with each other like clearing a game as fast as we can or doing challenges with that stuff um he decided to go to college in the u.s so we can both kind of go the same route um and after living in miami for a while i applied for a bunch of colleges but i didn't want to stay in miami just because of the the feeling of so many Latinos in the area. Um, it's not that I didn't like the Latino feeling. It was just like, I it was like a, still a very sore wound for me to have left my country so abruptly. And having so many things that reminded me of my country, but not being my country. Um, so Miami had a lot of Venezuelans in it, but it, was, it wasn't Venezuela. It had a lot of the food, but it wasn't really the food. <laughs> um, so I was like, you know what? Like, if I'm in the U.S., I'm just gonna go as American as possible and like explore the more like the more the more American corners. Um, and the city of Boston ended up like lining up in my sight for some reason, and I applied for a bunch of colleges in there. And I think out of like 20 colleges in Boston that I applied to, I landed in one, <laughs> um, and it was Suffolk University. Um, and I was just like, I'll take it. I didn't even check where the school was or how it looked. I, I kind of just like, out of all the applications that I sent, I was like, I, I want to go to Boston. Um, and my cousin got into another school in Boston and a really good um, engineering school. So we ended up both moving there and kind of living together. Um, and I went to school initially for entrepreneurship um, and then did a little bit of a focus on finance. Um, and uh, throughout this entire time, I, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life or how I wanted, what I wanted to do for work. Um, my dad was a businessman, um, is a businessman. He, he practiced a lot of like entrepreneurship on his own and the advice that he gave me, um, cause I told him I had no clue what I wanted to do, um, was that, oh, just like if you if you want to do something way too creative out there at least go for go to school for business because business will be related to your work one way or another um so at least you'll have a good foundation as to understand how to deal with the business of stuff um and i kind of took that and i'm like okay sure like i'll i'll decide meanwhile i go to business school i guess <laughs> um so we, we as we as i was going through school a lot of our um own personal financial situations were changing and suddenly i didn't really have much of a liberty as to like mess around by like playing around with choices of life like now it was like oh i needed to get a job because i needed to get some money and things weren't as easy anymore um so i ended up 
graduating from from entrepreneurship at Suffolk University. And my father wanted me to go back to Miami with him. And I really didn't want to do that. <laughs> and again, I just wanted to keep it. I, I wanted to keep exploring. At this point, I felt like I moved around a bunch. So I wanted to keep going around places. And New, New York has always been that town that like a lot. I feel like a lot of Latino people like look up to. Or it's like New York is always the, the, mood, the, the city in the movies. Um, it's like the biggest thing that you can imagine. And it was really close to Boston. As And as I was living in Boston, we visited New York plenty of times. Um, I had a really close group of friends that were from Guatemala, Mexico, um, a bunch of like Switzerland, a bunch of other places, which I've never imagined that I could meet. And it's really funny the way that like immigration affects people or like me personally. Um, I saw like in my school, there were a lot of Venezuelan people, but I noticed that due to family, like feeling in a familiar environment, they tended to, to mingle or like group up with other Venezuelan people. Um, so all the Venezuelans were hanging out with more Venezuelans and it kind of made this very like very simple still like way of life like they they were in another country surrounded in boston which is surrounded by so many cultures kind of like not taking too much of it in just being still in their little bubble of like we belong to this group and i, I that that happens i notice it happens with a lot of other groups um that immigrate there just because you feel familiar and nice with it but i was always a little bit against that um so i i, I forcefully looked for friends that were not venezuelan um and ended up meeting a lot of friends from central america um which within my country i've, I've never i would have never dreamed to have like I've, I, I've never really thought about like meeting people from other countries especially from latin america um and i grew very strong relationships during that time with them um, and they were obsessed with New York too. So we all like took trips to New York as often as we could during the weekends, um, kind of crash in New York wherever we could and then like go back to Boston. So it was like a growing addiction that was happening with the city. Like every time we came back, we like kept falling, like falling in love with it. Um, until I, when I graduated, like I, I knew it that I wanted to move there. So I just like packed my bag with like, uh, some clothing. I chipped like, um, back to my father, like everything that I still had to like just sell. Like I didn't really care about like all the belongings. And I was like, I'll just figure it out. I'll, I'll find something to do in the city. Um, I just wanted to live here in New York. Um, and as I moved in, I looked for a lot of jobs. And ended up getting my first job, which was like a sketchy pyramid scheme company selling cable door to door in the Bronx um, on a suit in like in the summer. Um, if you don't know summers in New York, like it gets really hot because not only is it normally hot, like I don't know degrees Fahrenheit, but it like it gets to like 32. It can get up to like 32 Celsius. Um, added the heat of the people, added the heat of the train you're pretty much walking in hell at that point um and wearing a suit and tie to just sell cable door to door it wasn't the idea of a job that i wanted plus the company was very sketchy um and i noticed like day one so i just like got the job tried it out and quit <laughs> and then went back to square one to keep looking for jobs um through some connections i managed to um 
get a, an internship at a fa- finance, like investment banking company as a financial analyst. Um, to They were like training me to be a, a broker. Um, and that was a really fun job to do at the beginning. I really liked the numbers. Um, but figured out that the whole finance job was very monotonous too in its doing. And there wasn't really much excitement. Aside, like when you, like after the first like four months, everything seemed the same. Um, read the news, update the documents, talk to the clients, like check where everything is going, kind of estimate or take a good guess where things are going to go um, and keep up with the news as much as you can. And I had the luxury to work in a boutique investment firm. And it had a lot of like, quote unquote, veterans of the industry that were there, um, close to retirement, but not quite retire. They were just still making money. Um, and it gave me a really good window of what my life could have looked like if I ended up going down that road of like very comfortably making a lot of money, but not doing much of my day to day. Um, and it, I, I, I felt that the impact that I was having or anyone in that business was having was nothing more than just personal. Like it just really helped you out personally and whoever you were making money to for. Um, there was very little impact and I don't know, I just found it a little boring. So in my boredom, I, I started to look for other things to do. Um, and I went back to thinking I'd never thought of myself as a like hardcore gamer. And as I keep thinking back to it, I was like, me and my cousin were pretty much obsessed with gaming. Um, oh, since I mentioned him so much early on, um, after Boston, we, we split our own ways. Um, he, he wanted to go back to Miami and I wanted to go to New York. So he went down that way, but we kept playing a lot of online games together. Um, and I was like, Oh, games, right. Um, so games are a really cool thing that I enjoy. That's where I spend a lot of my time doing, um, when I'm not like doing social events or stuff like this, like games, like I'd rather play games than watch a movie, um, or watch a TV show. Um, and I never really thought of the process of making a game so i started exploring that and then found out that there was like this ad popped on my computer of like learn how to make a game in eight weeks or four four games in eight weeks um and i was like oh fun so i've i've had dabble a little bit with like web code in college for an extra credit but i i was like oh i wanted to learn how to code i always saw my cousin coding so i thought it was interesting um and i'm like oh this might be a fun way to learn how to code so i like put up some money and decided to take this, this boot camp style class at night um, to learn Unity, which is one of the main engines for making games and learn how to make games from scratch. Um, the class was during the work week. So it like, it was really fun, but like as, as, as I started the class, it was really quickly where like the interest in making games picked up a lot. Like I was sacrificing a lot more social time to just like play with the demos that we were making in class. Um, spending way more time in the computer developing games and being like feeling really creative or like even at the office while I was working, I wasn't really paying attention to what I was doing at work, which don't tell my bosses that, <laughs> but I was just like, just finicking, like thinking around with concepts or like trying to solve an issue that I, we were learning how to do in class. Um, and it felt a little bit like way more exciting to have to like problem solve every day. And. I just kept looking at videos and like learning about the game development world and how it operated, all the all the things within it. Um, and I pretty much just fell in love with it really quickly. Um, 
within the class, I met a lot of really cool classmates that were in like my same position as to like looking for that thing. Um, up to this point, again, I had no idea what I wanted to do in my life. And I was really jealous of people who find their passion really early on because it means like they can invest all that time into their passion. <laughs> so people that you meet that they are like 14 and they already know that they're going to be devoted to being a chef. Um, and it's great for them, but man, I, I hated seeing people like that. It just made me feel really bad about myself because <laughs> I was just getting older and I had no idea. I just, I was just investing time playing games. Um, so I guess in one way I flipped all that time playing games into quote unquote research time. Um, <laughs> but after while taking that class, um, after we finished the class, I ended up teaming up um, with a classmate who's my uh, now business partner, uh, Rob Cancello. And we decided to, aside from all the stuff that we did in the class, there was an, an expo show happening, I think about like a month, like three weeks away from the class ending. And we got together and we we're like, oh, let's make a game together for that show specifically. Um, let's see if we can get it done. And we met at coffee shops at night. We started working and prototyping it. And we like created this concept that was a little bit out of our hands, but we actually managed to code it and do it on our own, which was impressive to like modern me. Looking back to old me, it was still pretty impressive. Um, and then the moment came when we showed our game at the at the show and we had people playing it and it was a competitive game we had people playing laughing like challenging each other again and just like having a blast with it and like asking all these questions and that was the one moment where like i was completely hooked and sold in the fact that like i wanted to find a way to make games for a living um that feedback sets them into like people enjoying something that i've made like i've never made anything that I put out there for people to see before that, um, or I never thought of myself as a creative person. And this just kind of like leveraged me out or at least gave me all the hope in the world that I'm like, oh yeah, I can do stuff that people will find cool. Um, and yeah, and then like, I'm, I'm pretty snappy and I don't, I don't weigh too much to make decisions. So like pretty soon I started yelling at Rob that we needed to make a company um <laughs> without any 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 prior like ground for any of the decisions um and i think rob also saw kind of like he had the same spirit that i had in in, in a sense that we both wanted to get in the industry but didn't really have any much open doors to get into it um or no one that could trust us to get in it any other way so opening our own company became us making our own door to get in um, and we talked about how we can leverage the skills that we had. He had a lot of like managerial skills and I had a lot of the business skills and worst case scenario, we make a good company that doesn't make good products, but at least we have a company that floats and stays around for a little bit. Um, that was like the worst case scenario. Um, <laughs> best case, hoping that we would make really cool games while still like managing a good company. Cause we, we kept seeing in the game industry, a lot of people don't know how to manage their studios. Um, and we thought earlier on, we're like, well, at least we can say that we have, a uh, sort of figured it out. Um, modern me, not really. We're still trying, but at least we have a little bit more of like that mentality, which helps a lot. Um, after taking that class and doing that first demo, um, we both knew we wanted to, to make games. Um, 
So we started setting up this like scheme to like, oh, let's make our own studio, but what are we going to do and how are we going to do it? And what do we want to do within that studio? Because if it's a small studio, we need to do different roles and just coding or this and maybe we're not the best coders and we're not going to get that good really quickly so we need to get a, another person to join to code with us while all these thoughts were happening um i've decided to abruptly quit my job <laughs> to just jump on boat on this which um i don't recommend to a lot of people now like we we teach classes now and i'll get to that later but i've tell all my students to don't not to quit their jobs um don't don't be as hasty as i am um, and then I decided to, to enroll in a, in a one year, um, program to learn animation and 3d, 3d modeling. Um, cause I found out that within the game environment, um, what I wanted to do was create 3d models and animate and do little things with like 3d stuff. Um, I found that the most interesting part of the process and that's what I wanted to get into. So I enrolled in one year doing that. And during that one year, Rob and I managed to work on a project with another classmate. Um, and this was a virtual reality project. Um, the project was pretty much his idea and he, he knew he wanted to work in, in virtual reality. And Rob and I joined just to work on a project that hopefully would chip and like we would get it done and put it like in the store and have something for our portfolio. Um, and it was like our first trial of doing virtual reality. The, the game happens to be a horror experience called Don't Look Away, um, which we put for free on the store, but it ended up getting like, I think it, up to this day has like more than 250,000 downloads, which was insane for us to think that that many people play with our product. And again, like seeing, I remember the first time like one of us like found a video on uh, YouTube of like two little kids playing with the, with the game and just like the, the video must have had like three views at least. <laughs> and there were just two little kids playing with the game, passing the headset to each other because they were too scared to play it or trying to challenge each other to play the game. Um, and those are the, like, the, the little things that kept us going, being like, oh, yeah, we're going in the right direction. Um, like going back to the idea that any work that we do or keep on trying to do will have an impact on people or like people will like have a connection with it is sort of like the main mo like motivator that got us into making games or pursuing to make games. Um, and after we messed with virtual reality and we made Don't Look Away, um, Rob and I were like, okay, let's actually like, like establish our team and the company um and then we looked into getting a lead developer um which through the community of playcrafting which is the people who we took the class with um we found our lead developer which is um john corn and i i invited him for a drink even though he doesn't drink <laughs> um little i didn't know that at the time but he he came nonetheless and i explained to him our views and our passion and where we wanted to get to and john had worked in games before and he's worked on like products that were, were actually really good um and i just sold him on this idea that rob and i wanted to make a really cool studio even though we had no experience anywhere in the field but we were willing to try our best and we were willing to create this like as as many cool experiences as, as we wanted to 
in a very short period of time, which I think is what sold John on the idea. Because we didn't want to develop games for two years or three years. We wanted to do it in eight months, like six months initially. Um, but we wanted to do a little shirt that like really polished demos that we could put out there because we knew we were learning. We knew we were just getting into it. So we wanted to make sure that we were getting more experience as we were going forward. Um, our first game started production on around like we did a, a pre-prototype on june 2017 um and then like everything that we prototype we pretty much threw away by october of 2017 and that's when we like founded our company legally we put the money down to to f like actually fund the studio open an llc for it um we we put money together from our own pockets to get a little tiny studio space in Brooklyn um, where all of our chairs were like back to back to each other, but at least we had a room to work in and put all like the headsets and stuff. Um, and then we started working on our title that we call The Take. And it was like a multiplayer title that Rob and I designed initially and everyone kind of put their, their hands in it, into the design. And Rob and I figuring out how to manage a game studio pipeline. Um, and we were aiming to have it released at six months to get the game done. Um, it took us eight months to finish the entire game. Um, we worked with a composer, a sound designer that we subcontracted, um, and a, an additional concept artist that did some of the work for us. Um, and it was a great experience overall. And then, like, doing that game, it got us a lot of, valid of vali validity, that words in English. Um, it, it got us a lot of recognition within the field because um, suddenly we got accepted into the indie mega booth, which is uh, um, they it's a group that curates a game selection for this big events like PAX East or PAX West, um, and you need to get accepted by their their reviewers to show your game with them. Um, we got accepted and I have no idea how or why, um, but it kind of like rocked our entire like year. We were so happy about that. Um, so we went to show at PAX East and made a lot of connections. And suddenly it was like slowly forming that we were becoming a virtual reality game studio. Um, and that was really nice. Like it felt, it felt really good to know that we were headed somewhere <laughs> and that everything was falling into place. Um, around the same time, since we were messing around so much with it, um, we, Rob and I had discussed before that we wanted to give back to the same community and kind of like create a platform for people like us that was not there in New York. Um, so we reached back to Playcrafting and like offer to teach classes with them. We really wanted to start teaching the same class that we took. Um, slowly but surely, we started teaching the class as a studio um, and kind of putting our own spin into it and working along with Playcrafting to make it a little more unique um, and make sure that it was a platform for people to get into the game industry and make smart decisions of how to stay in it and how to develop games within it. Um, to both Rob and I, it was a really close topic of like, we feel there were a lot of people in our situation that were dissatisfied with their jobs, 
didn't really know what I wanted to do. And maybe the game industry offered through one path or another something that they could put their effort into and, and be happy by working and putting work hours into it. Um, and behold, as we were having the, the classes themselves if, and speaking about these topics, if we found out that a lot of people felt like this. And a lot of people didn't look at these classes as like just a hobby thing, but they were, they were looking for something better um, or someone to relate to where they were or care about their projects enough so they can go and do them. Um, and then we, we got really connected with the classes and started teaching classes. Right now we have, I think, 30 plus alumni as of now. Um, and then on our own, as I, like outside of playcrafting, we decided to start doing this like micro incubation and coach teams that would form in our classrooms from our alumni. Um, the first team was a team of three girls by the name of Four Squids. And they pretty much wanted people to help them on the management, scheduling, and like setup of their project with someone who had experience in virtual reality. Um, and we offered to help them on that. So it's like we, we've been helping them along the way on releasing their, their first game. Um, and now we have two other teams that have joined that path. As of now, that's the only ones that we're doing because we, we can only help so many teams and pay so much attention to them. Uh, but we love doing it because it feels like we're giving we're giving people the opportunity that no one really gave us um, or trusting people that we know that they have the skills and the ability to learn and go further um, and just get into the game industry. Um, the game industry is a very technical place to be like you need to be people in it are extremely like skillful like everyone is really good at what they do. Like most, most people are like low key geniuses. They're like extremely good coders or really good artists. Um, they can think of like mathematical solutions for organizing a set of pens in a board or something. Like all the games are extremely creative. And this is something that like I, I'm still baffled and surprised by the skills within the industry. Um, but like a lot of people don't know how to properly work on their own schedule or work to get something done um, or don't have someone watching over their shoulders or don't know the best method how to organize their project and sometimes a lot of those skills of the people trying to get in the industry kind of go to waste if no one is really coaching them how to do it um, so we we wanted to focus on helping helping those people with the skills and the ones that didn't have the skills but wanted to build those skills and how to build them. Because like when I started, I had no idea how to code and I had no idea how to 3D model. Um, and it just takes time and practice. But it was, it's a fun journey that we can relate to people and give them, give them kind of like the help and the, the relationship with them that we built is, is really nice. Um, and now we have, we have our company, we got accepted into Oculus Start which is a, a program direct, directly with Oculus to launch products with them, which is really nice. Um, we're looking to teach more classes in the future with Playcrafting. Um, and we've been to a lot of shows that we got invited to because of the take, even though the game is not selling that well. It kind of brought us a lot of connections along the way, and that's kind of what mattered for us. Um, and now we're looking to hopefully start developing our next project. Um, and we made a lot of friends within the industry, within New York. Um, 
And it feels like a lot of the stuff that we've done or made, it was done in the last like year and a half. And that last year and a half feels already longer than the last like five years before that for me. <laughs> like all the last five years, like all my all my four years of college did not feel as long as this last year or so <laughs> has. Um, and I'm guessing it's because like the, I am paying more attention on my day to day to a lot of new things. I am learning and actively engaged with stuff. And it's like finding the one thing that you can obsess about is extremely useful. And that it might happen to be games. Um, and I personally never consider myself as like geeky or gamey or like any of those words. Cause I always had a pretty active, like social lifestyle and hung out with people and went out drinking maybe a little too much, but <laughs> just when I, I love to go out to parties and hang out and it wasn't the, the, the image people portray of a geek or a gamer. Um, Yet I, I was still able to obsess with these things and find it not like really creative to do. And people in the game industry are extremely diverse in the same way um, as they are in most workplaces. And you'll find people from all different walks of life with all different kinds of interests that all work within this giant weird industry that allows them to express any anything they have on their on their mind with their games and their projects and put it out there for people to see and now more than ever we have an extreme accessibility to all these products like for someone to learn how to make a game it just takes a basic working computer some good internet and just dedication patience and just sticking to it um and you can put something online so it's it's really easy to to start going down this path and I think that's where a lot of the mentorship comes in for us as we see it. Um, but it's, it's kind of like the golden blooming of game making for a lot of people. And it's, a, it's also a lot of conflict between like the old, the older veterans of the industry who are actual like engineers or like people who, who've been to like masters and like, so many degrees of learning how computers actually work and then we on the top layer are just like the, the designers of the games we just learned how to use a tool that we downloaded for free on our computer and kind of got our way around it so is it, it does present a lot of really funny situations um but the the industry itself is so it's so young still that it's like it's always evolving and it's really exciting to be part of it um, it's not like being stuck in a, in an industry where things have been done this way for generations. Like here, the most they can say is that things have been done that way for 10 years <laughs> or 20 years. Um, e even then a lot of the 20 year stuff ago is like obsolete and the practices probably don't apply now. Um, and like, there's like the guy who created doom, I met him at like, um, John Carmack, which is the, the lead developer for that game who pretty much created or helped create computer graphics. I've, I've met him at a show in LA and he's relatively young. He's not that old. <laughs> so it's like a lot of our heroes and the people that helped build this industry are still walking around and giving advice and constantly talking to people on like Twitter, um, which is something that you really can't say for much other industries <laughs> where like all your heroes are alive and walking around like, Imagine if you wanted to be a musician and like 
Hendrix was still hanging out with Michael Jackson <laughs> or something. It's like anyone you want an advice from, you can reach out and hopefully get to talk to. <laughs> um, so I think that's an interesting part of what I'm doing here with with this team. Um, and then right right now, um, the show that we went to LA, we, we saw a talk by a lady in a company called Phenomena. Um, and I actually met one of their producers at PAX East in Boston when we went to showcase and he happened to be from Venezuela too. And we like got along and then we ended up putting a group together of Latino developers. Cause then we started asking every developer if there were like, uh, Latino or from Latin America. We met developers from Chile that would travel all the way from Chile to Boston to show their game. Um, developers from Mexico that travel all the way from Mexico to show their game there. Um, and it was really crazy to start building this really quick relationships. And like any good Latino group of people will do, we opened a WhatsApp group and started chatting away. <laughs> um, and then I met him again in LA and I just wrote to him and I'm like, oh, I'm in LA. Are you guys here? He was, um, he was there and we, we met together and then we went to a talk of his, of his boss. And she was saying how her company practices like extreme um inclusiveness in their teams like they try to vary the teams as much as possible so they're not so monotonous race-wise um sexual preferences like everything around like they they wanted to diversify their teams as much as humanly possible to diversify their content um as much as they could and and practice in inclusion within the industry which is still something that everyone's pushing for um and since we came back from that trip, we've been thinking along the same lines of trying to actively look for people that would add a, a little bit of perspective to our teams. Um, and hopefully for our next game, we can we can at least get two more people to join us that would like include that that like diversification that we're looking for. Yeah, so if you if you're looking to get into into game development um, or want to join the game industry, uh, my only advice is just um, keep practicing. Just keep every day do something related to it. You don't. There's a lot of roles within a game development. Um, there's people that only do sound, people that do lighting, people that do models. There's voice acting. There's um, actual scripting, coding. Find what you like to do and just practice it and practice it and practice it and practice it. And don't get discouraged by anybody else's works out there. Um, the internet is very open. There's a lot of stuff out there. And it's really easy to feel like people are making better stuff than you are. And just there's making games is not really a competition of any sorts like you're you're trying to learn them to hopefully get your own unique ideas out there um and make your own content so you're not competing with anyone because no one is like you hopefully that would be really weird if you had like a clone out there and no one knew about it um but just practice the skills that you want to focus on and do them on the daily um the moment you stop 
practicing any skill on the daily is the moment that you will get rusty and kind of forget about it and lose that like state of flow that we like to call in the industry. Like you, you need to have a state of flow with your practice. And I guess this, this advice is not really just for games. I feel like they give you this, like, this advice for any career path that you want to follow in life. Um, just really being on top of it and lear like learning how to practice don't don't just practice blindly stuff like there are a lot of videos that will teach you how to properly practice your skills so you can actually gauge how you get better at doing something um and yeah just keep keep experimenting keep thinking weird ideas and trying to tackle weird problems like what if i made a game that like someone just recently made a game about a goose who has to annoy people like someone had that in their head and wanted to make a game about an annoying goose that you had to be the goose and your whole goal was to annoy people like pull in their pants or like put like poke at them or something it sounds silly but it's a really fun game and people are loving it and there's people online playing it so there's all types of concepts out there there's very dramatic story games people telling their life stories there's is the the game umbrella encompasses way too much um which it, it should and it should always be that way so what, whatever idea you have or whatever project you have just keep making stuff and don't get attached to your first ideas um if you have like a major idea that you think is going to be your magnum opus save that in a notebook and just keep writing about it but usually once you get started you start with the little stuff like don't don't think that you're going to start with your biggest project yet um you, you need to start with the small stuff um and again this relates to any other industry that you want to get into <laughs> but especially for games um just do little things like create pong and then create pong with a twist like make it funny for yourself or try to create Tetris or something unique of your own. Just do a lot of little things and then you'll, you'll, you'll start finding your way in the game industry that way. On November 21st, 2019, at age 26, Jose Zambrano passed away peacefully surrounded by his family and friends. This is my humble tribute to him, his family and loved ones. This is my way to say thanks for bringing so much joy into my life and others. We all have a Jose in our lives. Perhaps we don't understand the role that person plays, but I'm sure that sooner or later, that person will always guide us towards a better and a happier life. And believe me, I know the most painful goodbyes are the ones that are left unsaid. But I also know how difficult it is to let go of those people who are no longer among us, especially those who gave a new meaning to our lives. We stare at our phones waiting for a text or a phone call that will never come. We dream that we'll run into that person the next time we go to get some coffee. We wake up in the middle of the night with a smile in our faces hoping that person will be laying down next to us. When we lose someone we love, we must learn not to live without them, but to live with the love they left behind. So close your eyes and take a deep breath. Bring back all those memories and fill your heart with love and hope, because one day the sorrow will go away.